This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi again, everyone. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings today from Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center. Glad to be with you here on the uh, eve of All-Star Weekend. Really, festivities begin tonight, which will be a lot of fun and stuff to catch all weekend long. And we'll have our eyes, obviously, on Anthony Davis representing the New Orleans Pelicans at this weekend's All-Star Game uh, at Staples Center in Los Angeles. So the whole league is converging on L.A. here as we uh, take the break with 25 games to go. The Pelicans are right there in the mix for the playoffs not to mention the the fact that they are uh, all but lonely as they have so many friends around them in the Western Conference standings. But a three-game win streak for the Pelicans heading into the break. So good stuff there. We're going to talk All-Star and uh, the NBA in general here at the break with John Ireland today. He's the radio voice of the Los Angeles Lakers. Was in town on Wednesday night. The Pelicans beat the Lakers. But, of course, we got a chance to catch up with John about uh, this weekend's All-Star festivities in his hometown and, of course, uh, how things look across the NBA. We're going to talk, I think, Rookie of the Year and uh, maybe even touch upon the Cavaliers and the storyline that they now present, a new one for us, heading into this next stretch of games in the Eastern Conference. Also, we're about a month away from the start of free agency in the NFL. And, of course, we all know what the headline is going to be for the New Orleans Saints. Jeff Duncan, columnist for the Times-Picayune and radio co-host of Duncan Holder on 1280 AM, Makes a uh, special visit today. We'll talk to him about his column this week regarding Drew Brees and other Saints offseason news. We also pick his brain a little bit about the Pelicans and the home schedule that remains for this team in an all-important stretch run in 2018. So a great show for you today uh, as we wrap up the week. Everybody hopefully back in the groove after Mardi Gras and Valentine's Day and everything else, we will roll on with our two great visits in just a moment. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As promised, we're joined now by the columnist from the Times, Picky Union, NOLA.com, Jeff Duncan. Also co-host of Duncan Holder on Sports 1280 AM. Hey, Dunk, first of all, I need to make sure. Is this the real Jeff Duncan? Uh, I, there, apparently there's some confusion on Twitter these days. Oh, my gosh. I, I would, I'm going to make the claim that I am the real Jeff Duncan, but I've got an identity crisis on social media. Man, this is crazy. But of all people to be named, uh, have the same name, this rep- com- congressman, Representative Jeff Duncan in South Carolina, who's embroiled in all these political controversies, and I am the foil for all the people on social media. It's not fun. I've I've, I've actually pledged to uh, inquired to Alex Restrepo, who you work with, fine colleague, to try and get 
my Twitter handle changed, and I think he's working on it. So we'll see if it happens. He has a knack for that. But at the same time, Dunk, I also see this as an opportunity. You could pawn off every bad thing you've ever done or want to do on the other Jeff Duncan, and, and nobody would know the Blizzard. You're right. That there's opportunity there, and he's actually reached out to me. Representative Jeff Duncan has reached out to me because what's funny about this, Sean, is there's the actual handle just at Jeff Duncan with no period, no underscore, anything, is being squatted on by some guy out in California, and both Congressman Jeff Duncan and myself have reached out to this guy to try and get it. The man hasn't tweeted in three and a half years, yet they still refer to his account as active. So that's what I've got Alex working on, but we're not getting, we're not making much headway with the other Jeff Duncan. Did you really sign up for all these problems on social media, Jeff? I mean, come on. No. And you know, you know what? There's also, Sean, an obscure major league outfielder named Jeff Duncan who got a cup of coffee with the Mets probably five or six years ago, and he's got a pretty large following, and he told me once, he emailed me, that he gets the same things. So we're all in the same boat here. I need a more obscure name. I need to go to a different handle. It's just reached that point, especially lately with all these political controversies with Congressman Duncan. Perhaps, Jeff, now that you're a huge columnist and radio star, you should have a stage name at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll let maybe I'll put that out there to the Twitterverse. See what kind of response I get. I'm sure I'll get a lot of creative, inventive responses, especially to my some of my very popular columns. As you know, uh, Saints fans sometimes love some of those popular columns I write. So maybe I'll let, I'll put it out to them and see what we get. Oh, I I, I can only imagine. I I am encouraging this very much. Let's come up with a <laughs> stage name for Jeff Duncan. Hey, Jeff, speaking of your columns, I love the one this week regarding Drew Brees, and I wanted to talk Saints with you today. And why not start with really the most important and biggest Saints offseason story, and that's uh, getting Drew Brees under a new contract. Uh, you talked compromise, uh, and, and you know we can expound from there, but your column was certain timely as we're, what, a month away from the start of free agency? Yeah, it starts exactly, well, yesterday was, was exactly a month away. And I think, you know, Mickey Loomis, I've talked with uh, Mickey about this contract negotiation, and, and he knows it's the number one priority for them. And they, I think both sides want to get a deal done before it ever even gets to the start of free agency. I think that's the goal. That way the Saints can concentrate on the rest of the roster and any other kind of personnel moves they'd like to make. They'll have a working number uh, as far as a cap number once they get the Breeze deal done. So I think that's priority A for them, get Breeze done. And I think both sides are motivated to get a deal done here. I don't think Drew's ever going to get to free agency. He's stated he wants to be here. Now they just got to come to some kind of working number that's fair for both sides, and I think they will. I mean, Tom Condon and Mickey Loomis have a history of working on these deals together. Sometimes it takes longer than others, but I think in this situation, at Drew's stage of his career – and with the season that the Saints are coming off of. And I, I think that's a key part of this, Sean. Uh, both sides, I think, wanted to see how last year went. Uh, I think both sides might have had reasons to opt out and move on if things didn't go the way they did. And I think everybody would agree it went even better than they expected. So now I think everybody's going to join together and kind of try and make one more Super Bowl run here. So I expect this deal to get done, but I don't think it's going to happen 
overnight. I think it'll take, you know, a week or two to crunch the numbers. But like I said, Loomis is so good at this thing that I think they'll reach a fair market deal before the start of free agency. Dunk, are you surprised in any way that Drew Brees was so vocal here in the last few weeks about his desire to to be a lifelong saint, to to say I'm not going anywhere? Uh, you know, all those things seem almost counter to what anyone would teach in a negotiation. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily surprise me, um, but I'm sure it didn't help Tom Condon's cause. Because Tom Condon, Sean, is one of the hardest driving agents in the business. I mean, he is cutthroat as it gets, and he would want to drive for as hard a deal as he can. And right now, frankly, Drew Brees does have all the leverage. Uh, he, he really does. If he wanted to take this thing into free agency and go on the open market and play the game, even though we all know he prefers to play in New Orleans, he could play that game. He could go sit down in Denver with John Elway. Can you imagine the outcry from Saints fans if, if Drew Brees were on a free agent visit to Denver or anywhere? And, and gets the opportunity to be pitched by someone like John Elway, who pitched Peyton Manning, uh, that's going to create public pressure on the Saints. And I think it's commendable that Drew Brees doesn't even want to play that game. He's saying, look, let's not even get to that point. It's silly. We both know what we want here. And at this stage of his career, he's made enough money to where I think the goal now is not to make any more money. It's to try and win more Super Bowl rings and add to his, his legacy, which is already – Let's face it, it's already intact here. Whether he wins another game or not, he's going to go down in history as the greatest New Orleans Saints player ever and a sure first ballot Hall of Famer. But at this point, I think Drew Brees wants to win another Super Bowl for the city of New Orleans and for the Saints organization. And I think he's it's admirable that he wants to avoid all the, the, the shenanigans that go. And in, in, in this day and age, Sean, with the 24-7 media coverage uh, with the NFL – I think it's admirable that he doesn't want to get involved in some high-profile standoff over numbers. And um, it doesn't surprise me that Drew Brees would act that way because he's such a a good person at heart. Of all the superstars I've ever covered, um, he is without question the real deal and a guy that gets it in so many ways. And in in this situation, I think he gets it again. Maybe I'm being devil's advocate here, but do you think in any way that his uh, vocal uh, love for the city and the Saints and, and, and his desires is in any way crazy like a fox for with regard to the court of public opinion here? Well, there's some. Uh, there's no doubt there's some element in there. I don't think there's any doubt. And you're right. I mean, Drew Brees is shrewd, and he's as senatorial in his approach to the to NFL quarterback play as anybody I've ever covered. He gets all that. But I do think in this instance he's being earnest. Uh, I think he doesn't want to go through some big negotiation, some free agent visit tour. I don't think he wants any part of that. I think he would, but I do think he wants as a fair market deal, and I think he wants to be compensated accordingly. Uh, but I don't think that means he has to be the highest paid quarterback in the league either. He's already shown that he will play for less than that. And at this stage, when he's 39 now, he just turned 39 and knows that this contract will probably take him into his early 40s, he understands that, and he understands that he, the, 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 the organization's side of things and that they need to keep a certain number to be able to stack the rest of the roster. I mean, down the road, not necessarily this year, but down the road, you're looking at a new deal for Mike Thomas. You're looking at a deal for 
you know, really down the road for, for Marshawn Lattimore? Are you going to re-up with Mark Ingram? There's a lot of things that will be on the table, not necessarily this year, but maybe in 2019, 2020. And Drew Brees is smart enough to look down the road and see they need to stay competitive here in this window so they can make another run. Jeff Dunk is here with us on the Black and Blue Report. Jeff, let's talk about the number itself. Which which thing has a greater impact on the number? Tom Condon and Matthew Stafford's deal in 2017 or what we saw most recently with perhaps Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco? You know what? I don't think really either one of them will, to be honest with you. I think they're separate deals because I guess if I had to if I were put to the test, I would say Matthew Stafford strictly because of his age and the fact that this is his second deal. Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, this is really kind of his first major deal. He was operating on a rookie contract. He's so young. He's being paid for potential, not necessarily production. So it's a little bit of a different animal than, than the deal Stafford signed where he's a franchise quarterback. But I think because Drew Brees, is, this is going to be basically his third contract, uh, or maybe you could even argue it's his fourth contract, it, it's different for him. He's very much like I think Peyton Manning was in Denver, like Tom Brady is in New or- in New England. They're both established. They've earned enough money in their careers that they don't necessarily need to argue over dollars and cents at this point. They need to. Be- they're more concerned with trying to win, position themselves to enhance their legacies. But that said, I mean Drew Brees is worth what he's worth. I mean he's worth whatever the market will bear for him and. Tom Condon can argue for that all day long. I think that the outlier in all this is that right now Mickey Loomis and Drew Brees, I think, are negotiating this deal more than Tom Condon is. And I think when it gets down to brass tacks, Drew Brees and Mickey Loomis are going to actually negotiate this thing, not necessarily Tom Condon. Tom Condon's going to do what Drew Brees wants. And in this instance, Drew Brees can kind of hold the cards. And I think he's already laid his cards on the table, Sean. I think he, we all know what he wants to do, and it's just a matter of getting it done now. Hey, let's talk about some of the other offseason uh, goals here for the New Orleans Saints uh, in realizing what the draft can be like and the positions in which the Saints will will choose. Uh, Jeff, do you think their, their other needs here this offseason are addressed more in free agency or in the draft where they've had success the last two years? I think they'll do both like they always do. I really think there's two needs I think this team has, and I don't think either one of them are desperate needs. I don't think they're glaring needs, but I think they've got to get more pass rush help for Cam Jordan. I think they needed that last year, and Alex Okafor stepped in and was a solid kind of stopgap. He actually was a little better than I thought he was going to play. Uh, but he's a huge question mark now coming off the Achilles injury, especially at that position where you're required to have burst and explosiveness off the edge. I don't think the Saints or even Alex Okafor know what kind of production he will have or even if they're going to offer him a deal. So they've got to address that position. And I think it's the number one need on this team. We saw it even – in the Minnesota Vikings game, there were a couple of times where Case Keenum had all day to throw. Uh, the Saints have to get some more pass rush help, and that's easier said than done. Everybody in the league wants pass rush help. It's hard in this day and age with it's, with the way the game has evolved, quarterbacks getting the ball out quick. There's always a short pass option for the quarterback to drop it off to. Uh, it, it's very difficult to sack the quarterback the way it was, say, 10, 20 years ago. 
but you got to find somebody to help. And I think those options, frankly, because that need is so valued in the NFL, it's very hard to find it in free agency. I think Alex Okafor, a guy like that, is what you're looking at getting, a veteran that can come in and be a role player maybe. But to find a, a, a pure pass rush demon, a, a Cam Jordan-like talent, I think is almost impossible in free agency. So you almost have to get that in the draft. And I do think this is a deep year for cornerback play. And I think because the Saints had so many injuries at that position over the years, it will behoove them to try and add to that position group uh, to find somebody, whether whether they think they're internal candidates, Delvin Bro, P.J. Williams, King Crawley, are all ready to step in opposite Marshawn Lattimore or not, I think it still helps to find either a veteran or maybe another draft pick uh, to compete for that spot because you can't have enough good corners. We've learned that over the years here in New Orleans. And I think those are the two biggest needs they have. I know a lot of people are focused on tight end and a lot of people are focused on the other wide receiver spot because those are the glamour, skill position, uh, you know, offensive playmaking positions and they tend to get a lot more attention than say defense but I really think those two defensive spots are their top needs great stuff Jeff Duggan with us hey Jeff one thing before you go um it, it, a little off the wall here if you don't mind but I'd love to tap into basically your feel and knowledge of the New Orleans sports market um say I could offer you a position as an executive in the Benson Companies. Uh, with the, the task uh, charged to you as to how to raise awareness and attendance at Pelicans home games the rest of the season. I know we're jumping NFL to NBA here, mm-hmm. but here are the Pelicans in this massive tangled knot in the Western Conference standings, and with 25 games to go, home games are going to be ultra important. What would you say as to how the Pelicans uh, – would increase their home attendance and the feel around this team? Yeah, it's a great question, Sean, and it's it's that's a riddle I haven't been able to solve myself in recent years. I, I think that was the biggest uh, cruelty, uh, cruelness, whatever you want to call it, of the Boogie Cousins injury because they were just gaining momentum and just starting to kind of capture the interest of the fan base here, the casual fan. We know they've got a hardcore group of fans that come to the Pelicans games. They were just, I think, at the tipping point. And then Cousins goes down, and that setback, I think, hurt perception-wise as as much as anything. I love the way the team's been playing the last week or so. Uh, You can tell this team's got fight. Anthony Davis has stepped up. I mean, he is playing incredibly well right now. I think showing that he can be a leader in his own way, leading by example on the court. Uh, You can't question – the players on this team and this market new orleans is a real fickle market other than the saints in that they'll jump on board for a winner they like an exciting team this is an exciting team they score a lot of points they get up and down the court so i think the organization between dell demps and alvin gentry i think they they they're doing it the right way they're bringing in good character people uh they're they're fighting on the court here we've seen it the last week when things look bleak especially there where they almost blew that lead against Brooklyn the season that I thought was teetering, but they fought back from that. And I think they're showing resolve and, and fans here will identify with that, but I don't know what it's going to take, Sean. I mean, I've gone out numerous times when the, when the Pels are on the road to either a restaurant or a local sports bar and have had to ask to put the game on and people incredulously look at me 
like they didn't even know the Pelicans were playing. That blows my mind that we've had this team here for well over a decade in this market and has had plenty of publicity, and they've got one of the best players in, in the NBA, arguably two now, and you still can't generate the interest. And I know Dennis Lausha, and I know the executives out there with the Pels have done everything possible. You go to the games, the in-game entertainment is a blast. Nobody goes to a Pelicans game and comes away bored. So I don't know what it's going to take because they're doing, I think, as much as they can to try and generate this interest. But it's just such a fickle market sometimes. I think it's going to take them making a deep playoff run to really get people to buy in. Interesting. It really is a, an interesting topic. Uh, I'm glad I asked. I didn't know what to expect. Hey, Dunk, you have a great radio show here, and, uh, of course, we're listening, and we love reading your stuff on NOLA.com and in the times and We really appreciate having a special visit with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Sean. Let's do it again sometime soon, bud. Absolutely. Jeff Dunk at NOLA.com columnist and, of course, co-host of Dunk and Holder. Speaking of radio hosts, uh, John Ireland from Los Angeles to talk NBA with us when we continue after this. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, the NBA All-Star Weekend in Los Angeles is upon us, and the voice of the Lakers, John Ireland, surely will be in the thick of it, right? Or maybe not? I'm hoping, hoping, Sean, to get some time off. The schedule, as you know, this year has been weird in that because we don't play as many back-to-backs, we're actually out on the road longer. So in, in our schedule, the Lakers schedule has us gone most of January and February. So I'm looking forward to sleeping in my own bed, but I may stick my head in there. Uh, the All-Star Game's fun. It's the third one they've had at Staples Center, and you guys had one here relatively recently, and, and your best player's in it, and we're hoping to get a good player in it someday soon. And, uh, and I, I think it'll be fun for fans to follow. Players love going to L.A., so I think there'll be good stories out there. It's a great setup. You know, L.A. Live is so much different than it was perhaps the first time they hosted the all-star game well think about this that used to be where la live is when the lakers won the title in 2000 was a parking lot if you guys go on youtube and and, and go back and look at that there's that's where all the fans were and that's where mark madsen was dancing and kobe and shaq were singing and and now that's a completely different deal so i would encourage any of your listeners to if you go out to la to go check that out it it's kind of like a downtown disney without disneyland a lot of people here in New Orleans and outside of New Orleans think of New Orleans as should be one of those cities that is in a Super Bowl rotation or all-star game rotation. Certainly L.A. has to fit that bill too, right? Well, if it was up to me, that's what would happen. I mean, it would be Miami, New Orleans, Los Angeles in a triangle rotation, and that would be it. But, you know, in the league today, Sean, the, the all-star game can bring so much revenue to a city that if you have a new arena. And in the NBA, it's a little harder to make the argument that everyone's going to be outside since we're an indoor game. But in the NFL, I you know, they just did the Super Bowl in Minnesota. We're, we're You know, we're just in Minnesota. Uh, 
it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know why people would want to congregate there for a special event. But, but I think in the NBA they want to spread the wealth. Well, you know the drill in the NFL. Build a new stadium, get a Super Bowl. Amen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're building one out there now, so uh, we're going to have a few coming up. Yeah, no doubt. Um, your team, give me your thoughts on the new-look Lakers here. As, well, this, you know, this past week we saw them for the second time, but certainly the first time with Isaiah and Channing. It, it's almost a 27, now 26-game tryout for Isaiah Thomas. Uh, he's trying to, to show the Lakers what he's capable of. Can he be that guy who was in Boston last year? And if the Lakers don't sign him, I mean, it's been well publicized, Sean. I, Rob Palinka comes on my show all the time, our GM, and says, our cap space is sacred. Um, you know, I joke with Rob that he would trade his own sister for cap space, and I actually think he would. Um, and so I don't know if Isaiah is a fit for us or not. So what he's doing is he's trying to show the rest of the league what he's capable of. And, you know, we're all rooting for him. He was such a great story last year in Boston. And, and if you don't know, you should Google it. He, he, his sister died tragically in an accident at the end of the year. He played through it, finishes up second team all NBA. If it wasn't for Harden and Westbrook, he probably would have been first team. And somewhere along the way between a hip injury and his trade to Cleveland, that guy disappeared. And so we're getting a chance to see whether or not he can reappear and come back. We're rooting for it. Yeah, without a doubt. It's interesting, John. I've seen probably the top Rookie of the Year candidates in about a three, four-week span here. Donovan Mitchell at Utah, Ben Simmons at Philly, Kyle Kuzma on your roster. Lonzo, I know, has been hurt. But, you know, if, if you're handicapping that race, what are you saying right now? Donovan Mitchell's the best rookie I've seen in person. Um, he plays very well against us. Uh, ben Simmons is great. The interesting thing is, Sean, we were kicking this around the other day. If you had to pick first-team all-rookie right now here at the All-Star break, it's very hard. Mitchell and Simmons are locks. But then you can make an argument for Lowry Markinen in Chicago. You can make an argument for Jason Tatum in Boston. Kuzma, I would make a strong argument for. Lonzo, if he gets back out on the court, you know, already has two triple-doubles, he would be a good story. I just saw Dennis Smith in Dallas. He's been great. I mean, uh, there, there's a whole bunch of really talented rookies battling for three spots. I, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure Mitchell and Simmons have a lock on it. If you had to pick the other three, what, who would you put in? Hard to say, but... Yeah. I mean, look, look, it's probably, yeah. probably picking five for an all NBA rookie first team is going to be much harder than picking out maybe one at the end of the year. Yeah, I think Mitchell and, and Simmons are probably in a two horse race. Kuz, uh, Kyle Kuzma with us, was leading us in scoring for a long time. And I said he's making an argument for it. He's cooled off a little bit and his minutes have gone down a little bit as we've changed. Like, you know, when, when for example, we're coming back to New Orleans in a couple of weeks here to play you guys again. Um, if we've got to stop Anthony Davis and devise a plan to try and corral him, uh, you know, maybe Kuzma's not as good of a fit in that scenario as Channing Fry might be because we can get a little more size. Yeah. So a lot depends on, on what Kuz's second half looks like. Right. Hey, before I let you go, because I know you're, you're not only on the Lakers beat, if you will, but the whole league, for most all teams, it's going to be right around 25 games to go when we all get out of the All-Star break. Do you anticipate – a seismic shift in any way in either the Eastern Conference or Western Conference playoff standings? Well, we've only seen the Cavs play a few times, but it sure looks like, I know Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance very well, it sure looks like they've been completely re-energized. Um, we've already had our games against Toronto. They beat us twice. I think they're a good team. We've had our, our games with Boston. We split that series with yep. Boston. Uh, I, I think that, that Cleveland is the, is the team to watch because – 
if you would ask me that question about Cleveland two weeks ago, we'd be here pronouncing last rites. Um, you know, if it, I, I used to joke when I lived in Louisiana, if you want to have a funeral, die in Louisiana because it'll be a party. Uh, we would be having a funeral for the Cavs. But now it sure looks like to me, Sean, I know it's early, but it sure looks like they're the team to beat. And I'm not so sure that the Houston Rockets aren't going to give Golden State a whole lot to handle. Uh, I can see that series going seven, and if it, if game seven's in Houston, who knows? I, you know, put a gun to my head, I'm picking the Warriors, but I think Houston's a real story. So those are the two things to watch. Have the Cavs figured it out, and, and we're just finding out because they're, they're rebuilt. Right. And then how good is Houston? I, I mean, it seems like they are, they're, they're going for the best record. They're trying to finish ahead of Golden State, and they're not scared of the Warriors. So can they, can they take them seven? Can they give them a series? If you ask me, I think so. Always a great visit with you, my friend. Of course, you can catch John Ireland on the league audio pass calling the Lakers action, But and forgive me if I get this wrong. It's ESPN Radio Los Angeles, right? Yeah, it's 710 in L.A., and you, if, you, if you have the ESPN app, there's only a few, uh, what they say in the business, owned and operated radio stations. So you click on the headphone app, and you can listen to Steve Mason and I, who I've known longer than my wife. We've been on the air together for 23 years. Uh, you can listen to us argue uh, daily from uh, noon to 3 Pacific. But it's a lot of fun, and it's always good to see you, Sean. Always good to come to New Orleans. What is big? Big is a ballin', shot callin', gravity defiant offense and a lockdown defense. Big is you and your posse getting loud and proud. Big is an insatiable appetite for winning. Come see the Pels against the Miami Heat Friday, February 23rd. Do Friday night right with friends and family at the Smoothie King Center. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. All set to wrap up the week here on the Black and Blue Report. It was awfully fun today. Two very engaging guests. Obviously, Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com, the Times Picayune, and John Ireland from uh, ESPN Radio in Los Angeles, voice of the Los Angeles Lakers as well. Uh, two guests that we don't normally have. And as a result, we got two very good conversations here on this friday no show on monday as we'll have a little bit of an all-star break and then we're back on wednesday of next week for the black and blue report we'll pick up our saints conversation at that time and we'll set the stage for the pelicans as they have 25 games to go uh, at the moment starting with a friday night home game against the miami heat so one week from tonight back on the floor the home floor at that the pelicans are snapping their three-game skid at home with that win this past Wednesday night against the Lakers. And uh, very much encouraged with the way they've played and especially the way they've scored in their last three outings. Good stuff. Thanks to Daniel Salerson for assisting in the production of our podcast today. Thanks to you, of course, for joining us and making us a part of your Friday or weekend, as you may have uh, picked us up over the weekend. Uh, Certainly wish you all the best, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. I'm Sean Kelly. This is the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans.